This is Jeff Standridge, and this is the Innovation Junkies Podcast. If you want to drastically improve your business, learn proven growth strategies, and generate sustained results for your organization, you've come to the right place. Over the next half hour, we're going to be sharing specific strategies, tactics, and tips that you can use to grow your business, no matter the size, no matter the industry, no matter the geography. We'll be talking about everything from sales and marketing to organizational, operational, and leadership effectiveness to innovation, digital transformation, everything in between. Routinely, we'll bring in a top mover and shaker, someone who's done something unbelievable with his or her business. We'll dig deep. We'll uncover specific strategies, tactics, and tools that they've used to help you achieve your business goals. Welcome to the Innovation Junkies Podcast. Hey guys, if you're looking to put your business on the fast track to achieving sustained strategic growth, this episode is sponsored by the team at Innovation Junkie. To learn more about our strategic growth diagnostic, go to innovationjunkie.com slash diagnostic. Now let's get on with the show. Hey guys, Jeff Standards here and welcome to the Innovation Junkies podcast. Yeah, it's Jeff Amarine here as well. and We are so fantastically lucky today to have uh, Matt Francis Willis, the founder of Ozark Integrated Circuits. So I'll give a little bit of background. Hey, Matt. So we're gonna Whoa. we're gonna brag on you here a little bit. That's right. So so it's, it's Dr. Matt Francis founded the Ozark Integrated Circuits in 2011, and it's become a key player, really a world class player in the emerging field of IoT for extreme environments. He's an entrepreneur. I know he lives on a big farm and has horses, and he's also an active volunteer with IEEE and, importantly, serves as a city council member in Elkins. So in his spare time, right? Yes. Yeah. My, and, well, actually, my wife likes to say I run an electronics company in my spare time. But, uh... <laughs> you do that to Well, you do a hobbies. darn good job of it, for sure. Well, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to be here with you guys today. Get, Give us kind of the lowdown, a, a little more background and detail on Ozark Integrated Circuits and some of the really amazing and disruptive innovation that you're doing there. Well, sure. So, um, so yeah. So somehow we're we're not we're celebrate. We just celebrated our tenth year um, being here in, in uh, South Fayetteville. Um, so Ozark, we started Ozark with uh, trying to solve the problem of of uh, basically putting electronics in places that electronics don't want to work. And uh, as you can imagine, uh, in, in the, the world of, of all things, things tend to tend to work at, at uh, tend to work at room temperature, because that's, <laughs> that's where most of the world lives. But when you're, if you're in a jet engine, or you're, or you're trying to explore energy and industrial environments, um, there's a lot of places where things get really hot, really cold, lots of vibration in those those electronics fail. And so um, the IC part of Ozark IC is integrated circuits, which are uh, things based off of semiconductors, right? So um, processors and computers and things like that. And so we actually started from that end of things back in 2011, trying to solve the, the circuits part. And then over time, we figured out, well, we can kind of do that, but then we have to actually hook them into the systems. And so that's, that's called packaging uh, in, in our world. And so we've We've developed a lot of packaging, and and I think where we really got innovative is um, we we do uh, starting from the software side how we design the circuits. Um, we've done the majority of our design is done on open source, 
Um, I'm a big advocate of open source platforms and uh, it, it, it let us, it, that, that gave us a lot of ability to innovate, write our own tools and things to, to tackle this really kind of different problem from the mainstream. Um, and then within the electronics themselves, we do, we, we've integrate, we use a lot of additive manufacturing uh, to customize things um, and a lot of just like really digital processes, database driven manufacturing processes because the, you know, the, the, as you can, you might imagine the, the, the things we use to make this stuff work at really high temperatures are kind of exotic. And so you need to optimize your waste and, uh, and, and make sure that you're, uh, that, you know, that you're not, it, it works the first time because it, it's, it can become, a, it can become a very expensive problem uh, if you, if you, if you have to iterate a lot. So, so uh, here, I'd like to know, Matt, just for my background, uh, how did you get in? How, how did you come to start trying to solve this problem? You know, with, with Ozark? Sure. So, um, I, uh, I, I'm a grad of the graduate of the university of Arkansas. I did my PhD work in, uh, radiation hardened electronics hmm. and the U of A had a, a really strong background in this area for a number of years. Um, and so, uh, previous, previous company that we, that I, I was a participant in starting, uh, we, we were doing radiation hardened, uh, design and modeling and things like that. But we were really on the analysis side of telling you if it was going to, if we thought it was going to work or not. Um, and that, that, that company didn't go that that's a, if you can imagine a tool for an engineer is a lot smaller market than what the engineer makes. And so when I started Ozark, I really wanted to be on the other side of that actually making, you know, making the products, uh, making the hardware. And so with, uh, with, with Ozark, we, we you know, we, we, uh, with my, with my co-founders, we were looking at different, uh, different markets and things. And we said, well, this, this high temperature market seems to be uh, a place in particular where there's, there's not a lot of, uh, there's not, there's not complete solutions. And so, um, based off some of the strength of some of the, the research being done at the U of A, where we could we could collaborate on some things we and facilities like the Heisen's Electronics Center here, um, you know we started looking at high temperature electronics uh, technologies, and then I think really where we um, kind of blossomed is we started figuring out what the applications really were, uh, what the challenges really were, and um, and started mapping those, and so uh, over time, like I said, we we said more became uh, went from being more of kind of a traditional uh, what they would call a fabulous design house where you just do the design send it out and became a, a fully integrated manufacturer hmm. um where we do we do the majority of our electronic uh integration and packaging in-house as well as the design and you you've leveraged in kind of a spectacular way the small business innovative research awards from multiple agencies some of our listeners may be familiar with that, but some are not. I mean, I think it'd be instructive to talk about how critical that's been to the growth and how you've used that over the years to propel the the uh, growth and expansion of the company. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. So the the, the SBIR SBIR STTR program, it's uh, Small Business Innovation Research, and the STTR is Technology Transfer. Um, and those are those are programs. It's part of it's a set aside for for each federal agency that, that is targeted exclusively to small businesses. Um, they they all use it slightly differently, but essentially the the government is your customer. Um, and so uh, the uh, uh, we, we've 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 been able to um, I think 
uh, we're up to like over, I know we've won more than 14 now of the various awards, um, but from agencies like NASA, Air Force, Department of Energy, and you know, each of those agencies has different care abouts of things that they, they see as um, they see as application or technology gaps. And so uh, as a small business, this is this is non-dilutive funding that you can apply for. Um, uh, the, the phase one awards are typically on the order of one hundred and twenty five to uh, two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars, depending on the agency, six six months to a year. And then the, and then once you've gotten in a phase one, you can go to phase two. Um, you've hopefully developed your commercialization strategy during phase one, really expanded that. That's a big part of the transition. Uh, but then those phase twos can be uh, up over a million dollars, um, depending on the on the different mechanisms. And so that, those are multi those that now you're in a multi-year development cycle. And, um, and and like I said, we've been as Jeff mentioned, we've been able to really leverage those. Um, I think at this point we've we've gotten close to ten million dollars that we've raised uh, through those programs, developed a series of platform technologies that we've been been able to. Uh, solve you know real uh, customer problems with so it's basically our R and D funding uh, R and D arm of our company has been funded by SBIR and then we're now transitioning we transition those technologies into into products Matt that's fantastic ten million dollars of of R and D funding through SBIRs and STTRs you know one of the things we want to do is help our listeners understand how they can grow their companies through through innovation and so what do you think. Uh, using you as a, as a case study, uh, for instance, what do you think differentiates you in terms of your success regarding SBRs? I mean, many organizations are lucky to win maybe one or two of those awards. Uh, you're at the 14 level, right? So what do you think differentiates uh, Ozark Integrated Circuits when it comes to SBIR and STTR applications? Oh, I think there's a couple of things, um, you know, because you well, starting out, um, I, I ran, wrote and managed the majority of those, and there's obviously a limit to just how many projects one person can do. Um, and so uh, a key thing uh, that I'm pretty proud that we, we've been able to do is as we've grown our team, we've been able to grow um, grow additional uh, uh, staff around, around the SBIR program, bring them up through it. And so right now, for example, I have um, I have four people running programs uh, within the company, uh, not just myself. So I think that's one thing is is in those is it, it's sort of you, you sort of have to develop uh, if you're going to go down that path, you have to develop a whole team. And when we do proposals um, uh, and projects for that matter, it isn't a one man show. Um, we, we, we collaborate on those together. We have we have different members of our team that bring different strengths. Uh, to the, to the proposal, um, you know, some some are be- understand the application part better. Some understand the technology part, the business the business part, um, and then uh, and then utilization of resources in that proposal process. So um, the uh, uh, Rebecca Todd and the the folks at the uh, Arkansas Small Business Technology Development Center um, they helped us tremendously with market studies and really figuring out how our, our technologies fit. Um, and we've now, I think the, the kind of the, the thing that took us to, from having winning a couple here and there to, to really starting to just uh, uh, win a ton of projects in a lot of different areas is we realized that we have like, uh, we have several platform technologies. And so once you, once you 
once you have that understanding and that that roadmap, you now realize, oh, well, I have this technology or a series of technologies and I'm applying it to different problems. So that means your your business plans and all that kind of stuff that seems like a ton of work in these proposals is not so hard because the markets are are you know get shared and, and the technology information gets shared. So um, I think that's really uh, you know as, as our commercial strategy firmed up, the, we actually started winning more of them uh, than when we when we were really just more like technology focused, hmm. right? And then I think the last part of it is just having a culture of imp- of customer empathy, because these these are just like in many ways just like um any kind of commercial bid in that it's just more formal right it's it's more written and formal but you still have to explain to nasa or the national science foundation or whoever you're you're pitching to why why me you know why me and that always starts with understanding their problem and i think we do a really good job of explaining back to the agency what we think their problem is owning that problem and then selling our technology on it and so I guess from that perspective, it's it isn't any different than you know just good sales, um, but uh, but I think that's one of the things that uh, separates us is we really do try to understand the broad the, the the broad problem they're trying to solve and where we fit inside it. Very good. You know, you're you're developing really strong application domain knowledge in some very disparate sectors. You know, you've got Miller Miller Aerospace, and you've got geothermal and you have uh, space applications and whatnot talk about talk about some of those applications and how you came to realize that if you have stuff that has a broad uh, operating temperature spectrum or can handle high radiation how did you resolve to look at those three verticals initially well i'd like to say there was a there was a you know a distinct strategy but i think some of it just comes through uh stumbling into the right things at the right time um and keeping your keeping your ears open um the ears to the ground but the um you know the some of the initial high temperature work we did uh we were looking at some you know it was driven more by what what um what funding opportunities were available like for example from nasa and so um, so NASA, I, I love, this is one of my favorite uh, examples of, of SBIR and, and how you have to understand the difference between the technology and the business case. We, we, had, we figured out that we said so we thought we had some really good technology and approaches for solving a problem that, was, that NASA had, which was they wanted electronics that would work on the surface of Venus. Okay, it's a really challenging problem. Uh, you're talking about 500 degrees Celsius, so nearly 1,000 Fahrenheit. Uh, 100 bar pressure, so 100 times earth pressure uh, with traces of sulfuric acid <laughs> coming down in the sky. Okay, it's a it's a nasty place. Um, so Venus, you know, this is, a, a, the U.S. still hasn't, we still haven't said anything there. We're, we're just really starting to, to look at it. Um, and so, you know, as far as a, now as far as a market, it's really small because I could make one set of devices for NASA and 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 in in five or ten years it goes to Venus but that's that's not going to sustain my company and so that's part of the SPIR program they not only do they recognize that they intend that you you said you 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 have a commercial market for this right you can solve our problem but you have a market and so in the process of that we were looking at some we looked at some different spaces and we we started poking on this thing called enhanced geothermal that people have been working on and and this is 
really drilling geothermal wells. I mean, honestly, some of them so deep, you almost hit magma. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's getting to what they call hot rock. Um, well, you start looking at that and gosh, the pressures are higher than Venus and the temperatures are temperatures almost as high. So we, we, we kind of made this connection. It's like, Oh, that's all that's if you go, if you go, you go out to Venus and it's, it's this way. And if you go down in the earth deep enough, it's almost like Venus again. Well, that was obviously a bigger market than a uh, 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 terrestrial market than space market. And so we, we started exploring how we could pivot and apply that technology down there. And then in the meantime, uh, we, we, uh, we started doing some work at lower temperatures um, for things for Milero applications like um, jet engines. And along the way, started figuring out, oh, um, the, you know, across a jet engine, you can, you have everything from the intake at some quite cold to the afterburner could be over a thousand degrees. So there's a temperature, there's temperature re regimes within that engine that start looking like Venus. And so, um, and so we started exploring that market. And, and then along the way, uh, as we did these, we started identifying the uh, key players in each market, developed champions uh, in, in the different, in different, uh, uh, in different companies and industries. Uh, and then, and then you start building up, as, as Jeff was saying, that that kind of um, uh, application knowledge that what what works here, what works there, uh, what special things do you have to do to make it work in this the, the same technology, but make it work in this application versus that application. And so, um, I think a lot of it is just is just listen again is just listening, whether it's listening to the to the to your your end customer or listening to the to your 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 essentially your investor in this case, which is the government, the different agencies and what they're trying to solve, um, and and then ma and mapping those things. Hey folks, we'll be right back with the episode, but first we want to tell you about a limited opportunity to take advantage of our strategic growth diagnostic. For a short time only, we're offering a free strategy call to see whether or not our unique diagnostic tool is right for you. Go to innovationjunkie.com backslash diagnostic to learn more. We talk with a lot of folks um, and, and we talk about customer discovery and customer empathy and, and the voice of the customer and those things a lot. And, and it's difficult sometimes to to have those conversations in deeply technical organizations where you have subject matter experts that know their technology extremely well and but but hearing you talk about uh talk about uh, the voice of the customer and the empathy for the customer i think yeah. i would agree with you that is a differentiator if we think about the definition of innovation being creativity ideation and inventiveness that results in new ways of doing things Talk to us a little bit about how you've harnessed or leveraged innovation within uh, OZIC for uh, to, to, to drive business results for, for your company. Sure. Well, I said, again, innovation for our company, it starts with the people. Um, we've uh, we've collected a, just an outstanding team of, and, and with a lot of diversity and of, of thought in that team, uh, pe you know, people with different backgrounds, uh, some, you know, and We've got young guys who have been, uh, you know, uh, have done research and come out of school, uh, you know, from that side. We've got guys that have spent, you know, decades in industry, um, and 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 we try to foster an environment where, like, uh, you know, when we go to tackle a problem, it isn't done in a vacuum. It's not just, it's not just Matt's going to go write a, pr a proposal for this customer. You know, we we get together, brainstorm through those solutions. 
and then and then come up with a come up with a, a proposal a proposal uh, whether that's a, whether that's literally a proposal or a, or something we want to try. Um, I think the other part of it is um, is just building the uh, uh, build, building the uh, capability, and so um, we're we're kind of I like to say we're scrappers. Um, we we just you know we'll 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 go buy a used this or a used that, refurbish it, modify it, adjust it, and and you know our some of our test systems um, don't you can't buy on the market. They're, we've just we've we've bought a a furnace or a chamber or a, or or you know what whatever test apparatus that that we need to get the job done, gone in, made the modifications and made like really unique capabilities. Um, and you know and. and Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, well, I was, I was going to play back some of the things that I heard because I think they're really, sure. they really stand out. And Jeff, you'll Jeff Amaran, you'll recognize some of these things just in the, the last three minutes of what you said. I heard talent uh, and, and cultivating that talent toward innovation. I heard environment and culture, building the environment, sure. collaboration, yes. which is part of that as well. Coming together, brainstorming. I yeah. heard capability and process. So you actually have built a capability yeah. for innovation. And then I've heard throughout to the discussion today, iteration and pivot, right? Iterate, yes. reiterate, you can't buy it on the market, you create, you pivot, et cetera. Yes. So all of those core core factors that, that uh, again, you don't you don't hear a lot in a deeply technical organization. So I'm, I'm really uh, uh, kudos to you for, for figuring those things out and, and harnessing them to, to generate the kind of innovation that you've generated. Yeah. And Matt, it'd be interesting for you to also talk about you've you've had this history of of, of being in the front end of R and D and some really cutting edge stuff. The company's in the position now to transition, at least in part, to full scale production, putting out uh, delivering the devices that are the result yeah. of a bunch of years of R and D. How do as you, if you think about how to give advice to innovative R and D focused companies about making that transition? What have you learned so far and what do you anticipate will be things you will learn as you go through it? Sure. Well, I said, I think the key, the key to getting there has been, you know, summarizing what you guys just said, is just, you have to own the problem. Um, and uh, I think that's what has, if, if I, if I had to pick one thing that has got us, uh, got us here, it's that we, you know, if, if, if there, if we know what the problem is and we have our technology and there's a gap, Let's just own the problem, whether we are experts at that or not, either become experts at it or go find the experts. Uh, own, own the whole problem and don't let those gaps be excuses. Um, and then as far as taking that now and, 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 and applying it to actually making the stuff, oh, we've learned some lessons. Everything's uh, three times harder than you think it's gonna be. Um, that That's, that's the, of, of making stuff, but you know, we've done those, we've gone round and round and round about, you know, well, what's our, what is our key capability and what should we invest in and what should we outsource? And what I keep coming back to, especially as a strong R&D driven company, is that every time we bring a capability in and we dial it in for production, we learn things that we can apply back to R&D because we actually now really know how you do it. And you can have the best partnership in the world and we have some awesome partnerships, by the way. We have some great suppliers and stuff. But with your key technologies, you can have the best supp best supplier in the world, and just things get lost in translation about that where you're literally the difference between sitting there running the machine versus 
you know, explaining a process flow. And uh, I think some of our most innovative IP has been developed literally while we were making something for a product and then realizing, oh, this is this is why it's that way. Huh. I wonder if three steps back, we had done this, if it would work better. And so, uh, so I, I think that you're, you're that's actually an- able to engineer. You're actually able to engineer for producibility so that, yeah, that yeah. production gets more straightforward with less risk. Yeah, because you you have the full you have the observability where all the knobs are. You also own all the knobs, and you have to make them all work. But you have the observability you need to know. Oh well, I could just go back here and twist this knob and make all of this way easier. And uh, and so I, like I said, that's when, when whenever I get frustrated with the because the challenges of production are it has its own unique challenges in in, in you know just get in getting yield and reliability and all that. But but the payoffs are they, they feed all the way back to the, to the to your product development side if you actually know what it takes to get the product out. So as we start winding down here, Matt, um, we want to leave our listeners with some maybe pearls of wisdom as you start thinking about strategic, sustainable growth for uh, Ozark Integrated Circuits. What does the future look like? Well, I said we. Uh, uh, I, I guess we have a strategy. <laughs> um, uh, for better or for worse, we've just we uh, when people come to us, we just don't we just generally don't say no um, unless the problem is just way out of left field and not something that we're uh, uh, remotely familiar with. Um, we we uh, we will we will listen to almost any problem. We built some just some crazy thing customers that um, are not remotely. Uh, what I would call extreme environment, but somebody came knocking. We said, yeah, we could do that. And uh, some of my oldest, uh, long, longest in the field products are, are not, are, are actually, you know, think there's some pieces of software and things that are just been out there and they've worked. Um, and, you know, and the, that those, those, uh, but through those processes, making that, even though it's completely different from what our core products are, you still develop your customer relationships you, you, your basic uh, business practices. You develop your, uh, you develop your, 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 um, uh, you know, your supports, your support structures, and all those kind of things. And so, I think that's one key takeaway for, uh, I think, for tech startups is don't be afraid to take something. Uh, to, to take, it's better to take some sort of commercial, straight up commercial opportunity, even if it's unrelated. Take it on, and and you will you will grow up tremendously very quickly. And then it's going to pay huge dividends when you get your your technologies and your products in the field. Um, they, those can become teacher customers for you. And I I, I have a, a good list of teacher customers. I would you know uh, love to thank for for work we did for them. Hopefully they were happy with it and we learned a ton from from just doing it. Um, I think well, that's one. Yeah, we we'll hear this customer empathy kind of woven throughout the conversation today and that, you know, just as you just described, you know, continuing to listen to the customer and, and provide solutions that solve their problems. Exactly. I I said, I try to tell my, my, my folks that, you know, when we go into a, into a customer call, a successful customer call is, uh, you know, don't, don't spend more than 10 or 15 minutes tooting your own horn. Let the customer talk to you. Very good. Um, you know, tell them enough about what we do so that they can start making the connections in their head of, oh, okay, that's what you guys do. Well, this is this problem. This is the problem I need to solve, and then you have the conversation. But yeah, I think I, I, I agree. I, I think the that 
listening and empathy has probably been the, our, our single biggest strength uh, in solving problems. Matt, if, if, if the, the listeners, and they may likely want to do this, want to find out more about Ozark Integrated Circuits, or they want to reach you directly to kind of pick your brain, what's the best way for them to find out more? Sure, you can. Uh, we're, uh, you can go browse our website, ozarkic.com. Uh, we've got uh, presence on on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter. Uh, if you want to follow kind of the the, the latest goings on uh, for, for Ozark, um, and uh, you can you can reach out. To, the best way to reach out to Ozark is uh, is our uh, general email address, info at ozarkic.com. Fantastic. Fantastic. Congratulations again on winning the mass challenge this year and all the accolades you got with that. It's a very selective uh, group that gets that. And then that, that's really the the who's who and in innovation that gets into that. And so you guys did extremely well. It was, it was uh, amazing to see. Matt? It was a lot you. of fun. It was. And it's been, it's been a lot of fun talking with you guys today. We, yeah, we have appreciate a great you for being day. with us. And uh, we okay. will see you all on the next episode. Hey listeners, this is Jeff Amrine. We want to thank you for tuning in. We sincerely appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the Innovation Junkies podcast, please do us a huge favor. Click the subscribe button right now and leave us a review. It would mean the world to both of us. And don't forget to share us on social media. Hey.